On the microphones, pure and uncensored American straight talk. Never quit. You're locked and loaded with Chris Peranto and Ian Scotto. This, this is the Battle Line Podcast. Which is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Switch is on, Battle Line Podcast, uh, and we've had some very different guests recently, which uh, I've enjoyed, and, you know, we're going to have special operations guys again, and once June comes around, uh, we should, all things, you know, working as planned, be back in the studio, sound quality back up to par, but with that, man, this is the first show off of Memorial Day, I know that you caught you taught a class in the Illinois area with yeah. Battle Line Tactical, and uh, we'd just love to hear about that and also kind of reflecting on Memorial Day. And one thing I was thinking about is a lot of the guys <laughs> I know didn't necessarily die in combat, but I know people who took their own lives, PTSD type of thing. And I know that's not necessarily who you remember on Memorial Day, but at the same time, you know, it would cross my mind is had those guys not have seen combat, I don't think they would have taken that route. So I, I try to remember all the guys that we've lost. No, you, uh, you, of course you do. I, whether it's combat, like, like actual combat or not really brother. I, and, and this is speaking from a, a veteran speaking from somebody who's, who's seen some, um, it doesn't matter, man. Lives lost is lives lost. And, and you're right. The, the, the cause of when you come home, um, and the, the demons that you have to deal with, they lead you down bad roads. And I, I, we've talked about it and people have listened to me, listen to me talk or listen to other shows or me on other shows knows that I went down that same road. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't, brother, you don't ever have to, 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 to me, I'm telling if, if a veteran tells you, hey, oh, that's not really, they didn't die in combat. Well, you can tell them Tano said, go fuck themselves. Cause it's, <laughs> it's, it, it lies, loss, lies, uh, loss of life regardless from a veteran Memorial day whether it's home or abroad if you've been abroad a lot of that is the cause if you take your life at home and it is and i'm just yeah. being completely honest with you so you yeah you're in the right of of course memorializing just like memorializing saint which if you guys don't know who saint is that was drew drew that was yeah. his call sign um that's what that's what hit i was tano and that was saint and, and I think it was like a parody on Drew's call side too, because he definitely was no saint when we were working. <laughs> but but uh, that was him, and that was that was Drew. And and, um, and and by the way, just because I want to make things clear, he's not one of those guys who took his yeah, own life. Yeah, yeah, but but, but he is a guy who who I think coming back from combat dealt with a lot of things. Dealt with you know? a lot of things, and that's where I get it. I you know, I never really look because there's there's a lot of buddies that I, that I've had, and I, I'm being saying a lot. I'm saying five five buddies to me. That's a lot. That no, they didn't. They didn't take their lives. They didn't put a gun in their mouth. They didn't do it. But they they took risks, or and they went down very deep rabbit holes, very deep bouts of depression that caused you know them to get into to foreign substances, get into drugs, uh, heavy drinkers, or extreme risk takers, driving your motorcycle down the road at 120 miles an hour. You know that to me to me as a veteran speaking and like it or not guys you hate me if you want i don't care if you do like it or not that is an essentially you are you are attempting to you're pushing the envelope you're 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 tempting fate 
and and because you're just you having such a hard time dealing with coming back home and dealing with the things you saw and and you you're never normal again when you come back you just it's hard to it's hard to come back and, and associate back into uh the united states wonderful way of life because because you've seen how awful awful it is out there in other countries how, and how lucky we have it and it, it's just hard to to just just get back into and, and, and you never can but what those of us that do understand that and say, well, you know what, I just can't, I'm not going to be that same person anymore. That's when you're able to accept, well, this is the person you are now and, and are able to fight off those demons that want to take you away. So, uh, yeah, I, I, again, and, and to, to, to do our family out there, you're awesome. Love him. All right. You, I would consider you a gold star family member, whether the government does or not. I don't give a shit. I think you are. And I, I, I love y'all out there. I think you, you're, you're amazing families. Gold Star families, especially you guys, and the Dolts family too. Ryan Dolts's family, Cheryl. Oh, we get, we could do whole. We should, you know what? We're gonna have her on, brother. We're gonna get Cheryl. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And also, we're coming up on a year of Drew. And I know Scott Dwyer, his brother, listens to the show. Also a veteran. Um. So maybe we can get Scott Dwyer on for you know the anniversary of this and and talk about who Drew was was a person as a person. Well, that, that's a, that's up to Scott, man. I'm yeah. you know I'm game, dude. You just you know <laughs> you just tell me who's on. Like okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> we, we have a lot of out. people in mind. I the one thing I'm looking forward to is like I said, being back in the studio and having people sit down with me because I, I always think that's the best. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I also wanted to hear about uh, you know, on a probably happier note, the oh, uh, the course See, that's that you great. Did. Yeah. It was fantastic. Uh, we uh, running at the compound. It's Crete, Illinois. An old ranger, Vietnam ranger by the name of Pat. It's his range. I love this guy. He's crusty as hell. The, <laughs> the, the stereotypical Vietnam ranger that's been through a lot of shit, and that's him. But he, he he's, it's wonderful. And we had you know 25 people there, 26 people. It was 25 or 26, which is a, which if you're an instructor, you know, that's a pretty dang big class. But, you know, oh, it's yeah. myself and Benny Glossop and Ben Morgan. So it's all three of us. So we just split people up. And we round robin them. So it's it's everybody. We're always moving. And I, I run the training like a football practice, man. It's just two hours and you're then you're moving to the next station, two hours moving to the next station. I think you get the most out of it and you're constantly moving and you're not standing around. And uh, it was tremendous. man. And you got again. The typical what we usually get when we teach in Crete at the compound. We always get some Chicago LEOs, and I love Chicago. You know, I know you're out in the New York area, brother, but to me, Chicago still is the greatest city in the United States. I don't care about their politics. I really, you know, whatever. The people are awesome, and their law enforcement, man, at least the ones that I'm around, when they come in and train, and this isn't always how it is, when they come in and train, with me they just get after it they push themselves there's no ego there's no there's no bravado there's no oh man i pride i did so many no knocks more than you ever did tano and i had no knock yeah. 80 year old getting into her house yeah, i get it but those guys are so and you don't see that a lot with the law enforcement community anymore where, where they'll come to a class or you train them and they want to listen because you're not part of their law enforcement training academy and these guys damn and out of all the people that are going to get into some shit, it's Chicago police. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm wondering yeah. if it's be if it's because of that, and I think maybe other other officers in other areas might be jaded oh. and say, "I'm not going to have a guy pull a handgun out on me," which is common in Chicago. Well, I, honestly, brother, it's the exact opposite. It's the guys in the smaller departments normally are the ones that come in all motivated, and it's the ones at the bigger departments that are like, oh, "I know everything," and that's typical. Honestly, it's just it's just a bravado thing. 
And but that being said, when you work in Chicago and these guys come in and there we have a they, a, he was a I'm not Marines. I'm saying this all due respect because I'm saying yeah. he was a former Marine that is a police officer now in Chicago. And the dude comes in and he's a great shooter and he he's learning the tactics. He's, he's getting the tact- tactics down. He was an athlete in college. And the dude comes in and puts out every time we're out there. And it's amazing. It, 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 it just warms my heart because it gives me the feeling of a this is how law enforcement guys should be. And then you get these civilians that come in, too, that come and train at that place where uh, at the compound where Daniel Lombard of Devad Defense teaches there on a regular basis. So a lot of those are his students that come in and train with us. So they're they're avid shooters and they just come in and. What I love about it is they just get after it. They listen. They get after it. They do the training. And this one, a defensive concealed carry, to learn how to move with a concealed gun. It's not just standing there and shooting. It's moving with that gun. It's being able to get it out of your holster quickly, being able to clear your – just the ability to clear your shirt, to get it out of the way so you don't catch it on your gun and you have a you have a devastating accident uh, for real or on the range. Um yeah, it, it's amazing. It was, it was a blast. That's three great courses we've had in a row. That was uh, the Florida one, the Oklahoma one, and now uh, at, at Full Spectrum Warrior with with uh, Graham's place, Navy Seal Graham, Rich. Um, then we had uh, Oklahoma with the yep. Iron Galley and Eddie Ronji's now at, now at the compound again. So yeah, it was it was dude, it was it was great. It, it, everybody had a blast. It was just so bleeping hot, but that's <laughs> awesome. If you aren't sucking, all you, all you people out there, especially you veterans, know if it ain't raining, you ain't training, and if it ain't sucking balls ass balls ass hot, you ain't training. And it was wonderful. And we had a uh, we you know and we get we get women out there too, and it, they were kicking ass i just love it because everybody it's it's one place where they just all come together it's just everybody's just having a good time and 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 i had a good time and i shot like 800 rounds <laughs> i get right up there with them and shoot with them and do the drills with them and and it's fun for me and it makes me i you can tell i'm getting excited talking about it because no, i had a, a blast i had a one I, I know that that is like you at your natural habitat that's what you love doing and um hopefully yeah. i'll come out you know it's funny i had to edit the last show because um you said june but i will be there oh, in july, july it, uh, when you hit maine i am yeah. i'm gonna do my best to be there no it's fine i just edited it so people oh, didn't thanks. even hear that well thank you but it's yeah i'll be there july be it july and bangor maine we'll be there and it's gonna go because we've got we'll get more than eight we got eight people when it's getting close to eight if it's ten I'm going if it's less than 10 and it's that far of a trip, then we got to push it because, yeah, it is as much as I love training. It also, you know, family, you know, I got to make money. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) Chris, uh, and and I should say, I always have to put the www for some reason with your site. So www.christantoperanto.net. You can go right to the battle on tactical and you could sign up right now if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. And we have some more classes coming up this year that you can sign up for in uh, Texas. Uh, we'll redo the one in Vegas. We may push the one in Vegas till next year, but Texas Vegas is going to be weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's Cause it's the city still just ridiculous. I don't want to mess with that, but yeah, uh, Fort Worth, the Bangor main one. And then we're going to reschedule one, the one that we're having in Eaton, Tennessee, which is outside of Nashville at Treadproof Training, which is another tremendous facility, tremendous course. Those are so much fun with Doc Maurer out there. It's amazing. Awesome. Uh, and then I guess in a piece of uh, unfortunate Memorial Day news, but, uh, you know, not so unfortunate because of uh, what the outcome looks like. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, who I've I've met several times before. I think you have, too, right? 
Uh, oh, Colonel West. Yeah. I yeah. love, I always, I always make fun of how cool is he. I always tell him, I think he got the joke. I said, you look like kid from kid and play. Oh, it's a flat top. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you, I, I think you saw my Instagram. You heard the news though over the weekend, right? Yeah. I, honestly, I just, I saw your Instagram. I, I had no idea. Yeah. I don't yeah, even so know the seriousness was, of it. He was in a pretty bad motorcycle accident. Um, however, he was just released from the hospital as we're recording this. He did put a video up. Uh, some very noticeable injuries. I know there was some concussion and even just his, um, hearing him speak in the video, you could tell he's a little bit disoriented and a little bit slower than usual. Um, so we're definitely hoping for a full recovery, but the fact that he's out of the hospital motorcycle accident, a lot of the time could be much worse than that. Um, great guy. You know, I could tell you my story with Lieutenant Colonel Allen West when he was over at Sirius XM was, uh, I don't know if you know the story of, uh, um, no, tell it. Tell uh, it. No, of uh, Michael it, Behenna. Do you know about Michael Behenna, who was no. uh, stationed? Yeah, so no. he was uh, imprisoned for basically uh, his side of the story is that he captured a terrorist, you know, who who had killed several service members. And he was told to let this guy go, um, decided to interrogate him. His, his side of the story is that a rock was thrown at him. And in self-defense, he he shot this guy. Um now, regardless of, of what the circumstances are, I just know from talking to guys like you, talking to other guys who've been in combat, these are split-second decisions a lot of the time. And sometimes you might be able to look back and say, I could have done this differently. But I, I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt, of course. And uh, he was he was put in military prison for several years, pardoned more recently by President Trump. Got the uh, I got the opportunity to interview him and his mother. Um, but while this was all going on, I heard his story on Michael Savage's show, who was one of those guys I, I you know, still regularly listen to. And it was something I was very passionate about. So I, I donated to the Bahana family for his defense. Uh, and I regularly wore the uh, the wristband with, you know, First Lieutenant Michael Bahana. And it was actually just like a motivating thing for me, because whenever I was in like a shit place in my life, I was like, things could be far worse. You know, you could be in a military prison for doing what you thought was the right thing to do at the time. And yeah. uh, so I regularly wore that. And when uh, when Lieutenant Colonel Allen West was in studio, I was walking with him, just showing him the exit to the uh, to Sirius XM to go to the street. And he looked at my wrist and he said, hey, man, nice uh, wristband. And he he lowered the, uh, you know, his shirt, uh, you know, around his wrists. And he was wearing the same one. And I thought that was really cool because I know he's a guy who has just always stood up for. Uh, guys who are, you know, at least in his mind, wrongfully imprisoned or, or guys accused of war crimes who he feels should be let free. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a guy who truly lives what he, what he says and a guy who honorably served. I, I just, I don't know about the, uh, I didn't really get into the Bahena stuff, so I don't know a whole bunch about that, even though guys probably should, but, um, no, I, for me with Colonel West, I, he was always a nice, respectful uh, to myself and to when I was, and this is, we, I met him when we and Oz and Tig were still doing some stuff together and he was always great to Oz and Tig as well. So, um, yeah, politics, you know, I don't get into his politics anymore just because I just, I, obviously you guys listen to the show. I don't get into it at all because it's, it's not necessary. I don't think it's something that's, that helps the country out, but, um, but as far as Colonel West goes, he's always been eloquent. He, he is an eloquent speaker. Oh, yeah. He is. Uh, he's always well versed. 
um, you know, he's a he he served honorably. And I would say if I saw him, it'd be I'd be what's up, Colonel, and give him a high five, and then I'd touch his flat top, and he'd be he'd be cool like that. I mean, he, that's and that's the kind of guy that's cool. It's the guy that I don't think he take. He, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. It's been quite. No, I I, fu- I fully I, I agree, you know, because I could tell you when you're saying he's not, he doesn't take himself seriously. The yeah. picture that I posted, if you guys go to uh, Battleline Podcast on Instagram, I'm wearing a GI Joe shirt. And I remember I, I remember I made a joke to him. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm wearing a G.I. Joe shirt, but taking a picture with like, you know, the real life G.I. Joe. And he was laughing about it. So I don't I don't think he's a guy who takes himself too seriously. Yeah. And that's that's cool. That's the kind of off. Uh, that's an enlisted man's officer. Uh, but I never served with him. So hopefully that's the what I see him out of the service is how he was when he was in, because that's the kind of guy as an enlisted man. And I was enlisted and then I got dumb and I became an officer. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, when you're an enlisted guy, that's the kind of, of commander or uh, platoon leader or company commander or battalion commander you want. You want that kind of officer that is not full and pompous and, and it just doesn't, doesn't care and just doesn't care and he takes care of his troops except for his troops that's what he cares about making sure they're trained properly fed properly they have enough equipment and ammunition and he makes sure they all come home and that's awesome yeah and we're hoping that he has a good recovery and as soon as he's able to you know gather his thoughts and be in the right mind yeah. state we definitely <laughs> love to have him on um because a motorcycle accident that's some serious shit um yeah yeah bro i don't I, colonel west this time put the motorcycle away brother it's time to get, get, get inside a vehicle and put this. Well, he, no, he was no. actually doing, he was doing one of those rallies kind of similar to what uh, your brother Tig did. That's, oh, that's wow. where it was. Is that yeah. what happened? Oh yep. man. Yep. That, that, well, that's honestly, if you're going to get in a wreck, that's a blessing. Cause you got everybody around you take care of you, man. I see. I, I don't know much about the story, but I, I but again, I, 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 Alan, I'm kidding. Colonel West, you know, keep riding. <laughs> I know, I know that's therapeutic for a lot of veterans to be on that bike and out in the open road. Um, bro, but yeah, get, get better, get better. And, um, yeah, I'd love to have him on the show too, and talk about, talk about him. And he, he would be just like the rest of the old crusty veterans that we've had. And I say that with so much smile and love guys, like, like Smokey, man, the crusty veteran, the old dude that still could whoop your ass, man. I think uh, he's, I think he's younger than him. The only look, I, I don't think he's, he's quite Jim West's age. Cause Jim is like, you know, he doesn't look at me. He's like 65. Uh, are you kidding me? I didn't know Jim, Jim West. I, thought, yeah, I think he said I thought, it on the show with us. Oh he's, shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was Alan listening West, to Alan, no, Alan West is 59. He, he looks younger. Ah, he's still old as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Again, I could say that in the show, and he would laugh. And, and that's, and again, that's that's the kind of guy that I know when I've met and talked with Alan West. And again, it's one of those things where I, I, that's the kind of person you want to have as, as, as either even an acquaintance or an associate or a friend. It's somebody that that you don't have to see for 10 years and you talk to all the time and then see him like just see him walking around like, Hey, what's up brother. And you can hit it off and talk for three minutes unabated and about anything. And then, all right, I'll see you again in 10 years. And you're walking separate ways. That's that to me, that's the cool guy. That's, that's what I think Alan West, Colonel West is as far as our relationship goes. And that, that, that to me says a lot about his character, which in a good way, very good way. Yeah, I agree. Um, one other thing I wanted to get to, we we got this, I, you know, I don't usually read the reviews that we get on Apple Podcasts because a lot of them are short. A lot of them are just like, hey, love the show. And it really helps us out when you guys leave reviews. But this was a particular good one. Um, it's from, um, hopefully I'm saying the name right, Kelly Keeney. That's the, like the name on here. Um, but they wrote, always enjoy the podcast. 
and it's a five-star review on there. Always great conversation. I've listened to the Battleline podcast from the beginning, but never left a rating or review, and I felt it was time. You guys always have guests on that mesh with both of you and make me as a listener feel like I am on the back deck, hanging out and having a beer with the boys. No derogatory term there calling you boys. You are definitely men. <laughs> no, call me. I like that. I like that, man. <laughs> but as a uh, retired law enforcement officer, I miss the hanging out and the BS sessions with my boys after work. Granted, we never talked about the hard stuff like depression and what it takes to get on top of that. And I really appreciate how you both support military guys in this subject. And I feel as cops, we have similarities in what we have to deal with as far as depression goes. The support from Chris about depression is heartfelt. And when the guests are willing to talk about it also, it's great. It's been the hidden shame or taboo subject for so long in our worlds that I feel society is changing for the better in this respect and being more supportive of us who fight this demon every day. On the flip side, your conversations are not always about the heavy and blend and are blended with things that are all interesting, uh, that are all interested in like what got what guns you have built or up and coming training or just these musician inter interviews. Listening to the podcast makes me feel still connected to people with the same or, or similar likes, ideals, ethics, experiences, fuck ups and love of God and country. The podcast just feels good, like hanging out with good friends. Keep on bringing the podcast. I look forward to Sunday night. I'm an insomniac, so really it's early Monday morning. Sometimes I listen to the whole four hours in one night, I guess when we do two shows, uh, if you had yeah. a midweek podcast. Just wanted to thank you again, Chris and Ian, for bringing us some quality listening material. Very cool. That is cool. I, there's a story that goes along with that. I've, I've at, Actually, at the Creek course, at the Battle Line course we had in Chicago, uh, uh, an officer came up to me that was coming through the course and he, he, he says, man, I, I love that Jimmy Allen interview. I'm like, well, nice. why'd you, yeah, what'd you love about it? He goes, well, I love that the dude has so much integrity that he could be out on the road traveling and getting in all those vices, getting all those bad things, the, 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 the women and the, the women, the drugs, the alcohol, this, and he, he said, he's not going to do it. That to me goes, that is the, that is the toughest son of a bitch right there. And I agree. I'm like, that is so cool. That's what you got out of the, he goes, yeah, he goes, cause I'm an alcoholic and I've been, I I've been sober for, he says, I don't know how many years he was sober for when he wants to say, I've been sober for like four or five years and listening to him. He said, that just made it, made my decision to be sober. Perfect. Because this guy has all the opportunity to be out there and live what people think are fantasies and believe guys, I'm telling you, they're not they're, It's awful. It's awful. <laughs> that road. But and he's but it's hard to not pull away from the devil. It's like the devil's pulling you on the road. And he says, man, Jimmy said, no, no, not today, Satan. And he's not doing it. And he's just staying at home and he's doing the right thing because that meant the world to me. And I was like, wow, that's that's great. And when I thought about it, like that is cool because he's right. He's, how hard is it to, to, to tell the devil? No, I'm not going on the road to do all these things that might make me feel good in the immediate and then ruin my life. I'm staying home. And I, I understand that that is so hard to do. And uh, so, yeah, Jimmy Allen, if you're out there, your interview really has helped uh, helped an alcoholic who is a recovering alcoholic. Or I don't know how you say it, if, if they've been clean and sober for how many years. Is that recovering or is that just uh, somebody that's kicked it? I, don't know I what think they I think they always say recovering, I believe, recovering. because it's like that 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 yeah. everyday fight, you know, because you could yep. uh, 10 years down uh, the road, pick it up again, pick it up again. So, you know, I, that's cool that you get to meet awesome. the guys who have listened yeah. to the podcast because I, I haven't and I want to go out to a course and meet those people. And uh, oh, I have someone it, yeah. 
Yeah, someone recently, actually in the past few days, say they thought the Dave Silvera episode was the best we've ever done. So I think people are gravitating towards uh, different things. And that's why I'm excited to have Debbie Rashawn on because we've never had anyone in the acting realm on and, and she's just great. So well, that's what we need to have. We, actually, we need to do that. My Ranger buddy, Jeff Lizenby out there who I served in Iraq with and we're conscious because he goes, yeah, man, he goes, I love the episodes because it's not the typical vet bro stuff. You guys have everything on. I go, so, and I was asking, I was picking his brain. I was his team leader <laughs> overseas. He was, he was on my team and I trust his opinion. I said, Hey dude, well, what do you think? Do we need more vet bros? Do we need more military? He goes, no, he goes, dude, he goes, keep it as it is because that's what's so cool about it. He says, I can, you just never know what's going to come on. And I get to hear different asses, different asses. Yeah. Like me, I'm kidding. Different <laughs> people, different people, uh, all over uh, from every, from all different genres. So, Dude, that's that's that really, and I thought that, but I wanted to make sure you always got to get that reaffirmation. You got to get that that AAR from somebody so you know if you're doing the right thing, or if you need to adjust fire and move a different direction. But brother, I think we're I think we're on the right track, and it feels right. So keep doing yeah, this way I, we're doing it. Yeah, I mean, I I purposely did it for people wondering because you know having someone like Debbie Rashawn on who we're about to have on, she has her own fan base, and yeah. they probably wouldn't discover the fan the uh, the podcast if she isn't on it. So, you know, uh, military guys, th- there is a certain base there, but I want people who watch horror movies to check us out. People who listen to metal, people who, you know, if we have Pablo Schreiber on people who have seen his other movies. So yeah, I want to, you know, have a big net. It kind of goes back to what I said during the Dave Silvera, how no one gets in a band to play in front of this small crowd of people. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't <laughs> think of starting a podcast that it's a few hundred people listening. I want, I want a few hundred thousand people listening. I agree. I agree. And for me, it's I, I, I kind of know what questions to ask or what goes on in a, in a veteran's mind. So because I, I'd like to have people I'd like like Debbie, I just to hear because I don't know any of that world. And I'm I you know, as much as I hate to admit it, I, I have to say when I want when Oprah brought her show out and people, I, there was this question that was asked. I, I don't remember where I saw it, but it was. Hey, why do you, where do you get your questions from? Where do you ask? And she goes, I'm just asking stuff that I want to know. That's yeah. kind of, that's all I'm doing. I'm like, I just want to know, tell me, I mean, do you, I, I don't care if it interests the, the view, the listeners out there. I want to know this. So, and generally it works out that it does interest the people that are listening yeah. too, but that's why it's awesome having Debbie on. I just want to hear it. I want you guys to chat, even though I always say that and I'll jump in always guys. That's just me. I'm a motor mouth. Um, <laughs> the, the, I, I want to hear you guys. Cause this is, I, brother, I grew up on the toxic, toxic Avenger and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Oh my gosh. Dude, well, we could, this I'm going to add her to the call, but we could talk about Lloyd Kaufman who created all that. And he is one of the coolest people I know. Lloyd is the man and she introduced me to Lloyd and, uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to add her to the so call right I'm, now. We have, we have great yeah, stuff yeah, to talk about. So let's do this. Hey, how are you guys? Hey. Doing good. Doing good. Hey. I haven't spoken to you in quite a while. It's been it's been a very long time. I know. Too hey. long. Hey, I, yeah. hey, Deb, hey, Debbie, I'm going to put the video on so you know I'm here. I, I'm here. <laughs> but if, whenever I do the video and we have three of us on, my, my screen flickers and we pause. So just so you know that you're not talking to a bot or something, it is actually <laughs> me. But then I got to switch my video off because if I don't, I think it's because I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. 
um, that it, the connection sucks. So just to have you, I, I know, I know you're going to see my pretty face all triple, triple chinned up right now. Right now. Well, De- Debbie's camera's not on and Debbie is far better looking than both of us. So, oh yeah, yeah, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, ma'am. Can I call you ma'am or should I say Debbie? I'm going to go military on you. Should I say ma'am or should I say Debbie? What do you want me to say? Or hey, you. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Okay. All right. Hey, yo. Let's so I'll give a coming on, Debbie. Yeah, no, for the audience, I just want to let people know who Debbie is. A lot of this audience is going to know because I know your fan base is going to check it out. But actress, filmmaker, scream queen, of course, the voice of Battle Line podcast doing the what? intro and the outro. Yeah, the, well, the intro and the outro. Um, and really, I mean, for those who want to get into kind of my history with Debbie, I... The first ever radio gig I got out of college was 2006 doing Fangoria Radio with Debbie, with Dee Snyder. And it's like I look back and although there were there were times of like small amounts of drama within the company or something, (laughs) overall, it was such a great experience. Like, don't right? I'm cutting you guys off. Right, I want to hear about the drama. Nope, stop right there. You heard, you laughed. That that was too high of a laugh. Something happened. I got to hear about this drama right now. Oh, okay. I- I'm I'm willing. I'm willing. Okay, now Igor, which is what we called him on the show, <laughs> Igor. Uh, oh drama? God. Do you refer? Because uh, there might have been a few. So which one were you thinking? Yeah, of? I don't know. I mean, there were so many. Th- like. I, I remember, I, I feel like I don't want to say names, like a guy. Okay, don't uh, throw, you don't, don't have to, just. Okay, we, we so this, it, this happened to, this happened to Tonto and I once, but because Chris is like such a calm guy, you know, you were able to oh. deal with it okay. <laughs> there was an engineer when I was in the studio prior to all this COVID shit that she's like, wait, was I supposed to record all that? Because I didn't record anything. So I remember on our show. You interviewed Betsy McCoy, Jason's mom in the Friday the 13th series, and a certain guy on staff was like, uh, Mike, none of that recorded. And no. literally a fist fight almost broke out. I remember that. Yes, that was, that. yeah, that, that was pretty bad, pretty bad. The lucky thing was that she lived in New York City so she can come back, but it was, it was, no, Mike would have none of that shit, right? I mean, yeah. Mike was really hardcore. He was good. He definitely was. And I remember it was like you and I do remember her coming back. Betsy She's Palmer. no longer with us. Betsy Palmer. Betsy Palmer. Why am I saying who's Betsy McCoy? Why am I? I, I think she's someone in politics. Yeah. Betsy Palmer. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I apologize. Palmer. Betsy Palmer, who's no longer with us. Right. Um, but, you know, at the time you had this great interview and I do remember you and Dee trying to like recreate jokes. And once you've had the interview, you can't really recreate it. <laughs> can't really oh, my gosh. No. That no. I, I, Debbie, I, you know, thank God, because I, I, I we were just talking about this. I I grew up and I will get into it. I, you know, I, when I first started watching, like I, I watched horror movies, you know, the, the, the just the standard, the Halloween's Friday 13th grew up on those. And then I saw Tox, Toxic Avenger. And uh-huh. I'm like, my God, this is the coolest thing. I and <laughs> I, I, I know, and that's kind of, I, am I right? That's kind of the genre you're in. And, and Fangoria oh. Radio was, I didn't know that was your voice. I had no clue. I see that's, I, this is, this is cool because this is all new to me. Everything here is so new and talking to somebody that's actually in it. And he says, uh, Ian said you knew Lloyd Kaufman. And I know you've done some of the, wasn't Toxic Avenger, but didn't you do some of the, some of the, where it was, what, tro, tro, was it called Troll City oh, or Trollocity? 
Yeah, help me, help me out with it. Trauma. Trauma. That's, trauma. That's it. And it's so funny. I have to tell you, um, I have done a few movies with Lloyd Kaufman. The first one was Tromeo and Juliet in 1995. <laughs> I saw that. Oh, that was awesome. Okay. I was that the was lesbian. Awesome. Cook slash nurse, whatever you want to call her, handmaid, I don't know. Um, and then Terra Firmer, I was in Citizen Toxie, which was part four. Um, and then I've had like sort of like uh, one line, two lines in the movies in between. And then Shakespeare Shitstorm, which we did about a year and a half ago. I actually have a role again. So, you know, it's been through my whole career, but that's just like one part of it. It's a big part. In the sense of the fan base for yeah. Trump is insane. Well, I mean, that's it's crazy. You you get you you have no idea how many veterans actually dig that kind of stuff. The the trauma, especially the first the tox, first Toxic Avenger, just because it was so weird and out. And we still watch that downrange when we're that's, downrange. You're throwing talk, but I, what is, I want to know what kind of guy just be, with my little bit in the movie, just a teeny bit, just being on set when Michael Bay did the 13 hours and being around that kind of director. What was it like being around a guy like Lloyd Kaufman though? But how, <laughs> where does his mind come from? How do you think up of this, this kind of stuff? What is I, that like? <laughs> it's like, I've always said, and I've said to him, so I'm not talking out of school. I've said to him and everybody else, it is like knowing someone who is, um both extremes i don't want to say bipolar because in today's day and age people get all offended and shit right (laughs) but you know what i'm talking about like he is both the crazy guy like he goes absolutely ape shit nuts and (laughs) he's the really calm and collected guy so he kind of swings back and forth but then again, I have to double back and say, okay, after all these years and after making a movie myself, I can understand he's hired all these people to work for free. And there are a lot of kids at a film school and stuff. So they don't necessarily know fully what they're doing. So in the moment, he gets really upset and mad because it's costing money. Sure, but okay. Looking back on the other side of it, it's like, yeah, they're maybe not performing because they don't know how yet. So that's the double edge of the sword, right? So you yeah. get the for free and young but at the same time with no learning curve except for Lloyd Kaufman who's like you know screaming at you in the middle of you know whatever scene or something like that and then when everything goes action everybody's got to just be you know all funny and happy and all that kind of stuff so but it's amazing I mean he's he's been like this this constant in my life since I met him in 92 and you know he just you know, it's just been one of those relationships that is like, you know, 80% of the time up. And we've had a couple of times in our, our lives where we're, we go out of touch because he's pissed me off. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. just made me mad about something. And the, I take responsibility for that, too. He's, a, he's an amazing guy. That's real bottom line. But, yeah, I mean, like with every relationship that goes on for that long. You know, it's gonna go yeah. up and down, and and so that that but it's like a good friend. 
I have to interject, though, and just ask you, while I have you, because oh. I've been dying to know, I've been thinking about this. <laughs> okay, what, what, what? And I hope you don't mind the, the diversion here, guys. Please, no. Really. No, that's are what we do. We're, we're, are you kidding me? We're all over the place. You're, oh, you're going to be like, what the hell just happened on that interview? I don't even, <laughs> even know what, what they were trying to get out of me here. Go ahead. Love, so, okay. I love war movies. So I want to know from you guys favorite war movie in two categories one most realistic and two your favorite even if it doesn't really play as it was this is all chris because chris i I mean most realistic how how would i know while chris was you know in combat i was with you and mike castell doing fangoria radio well well, that's you know i i i i'm gonna be partial because it was part of my life was 13 hours because I was there. That was, that was me. That was a guy running around in shorts, getting in firefights with a Mickey Mouse shirt on. I mean, that's, that was me. And to me, 13 hours is the most realistic. And believe me, I, I I know Dale Sizemore and, and and David Floyd and, and Colonel McKnight, Danny McKnight, we actually will get We should get him on the show too from Black Hawk down. I was a Ranger. Those guys were third vet. I was second vet. Those guys are buddies of mine. That was actually Sergeant Struker. The, the man, the myth, the legend, he put me through Ranger Indoc training when I first became a Ranger. So Black Hawk Down is very accurate, lone, you know, as far, I, I, it, relatively speaking with the movies. It, but it is, it, it simulates, and you get the experience of war, same with Lone Survivor. We were soldiers, uh, same thing. Uh, uh, Hal Moore, Colonel Moore is still an iconic legend within the military army. He is the, the epitome of what an officer should be. But what movie, what they were missing, and that's why, and I would, and I believe me, I was completely, completely caught off guard because I didn't like Michael Bay making a warm, come on, what's going to Optimus Prime jumping out of the damn plane? Is that what's going to happen? When, <laughs> but, but the thing is that what he got, and this is what it is in combat, this is what it's like. You get all these other war movies, or what it is, Black Hawk Down, Lone Survivor, American Sniper, We Were Soldiers, and it's it's very gritty. And it is, believe me, combat is gritty. It is. There's death, and I, I saw my I saw my buddy get blown up. But it's extremely colorful because your senses are you're so heightened. Your mm. senses, you. I mean, it's like I, I equate it to a racehorse. Think of your racehorse. You're just flying, but you got those blinders on. And then when war happens, combat happens, those blinders come off and everything pops. The colors pops, the sound. I mean, it's just and, and that's why we have a hard time coming home, because you yeah. when you when you're able to experience that kind of sensory overload and you can handle it, which it takes a lot of years or training to do. It does. It does. So you're able to handle that. And uh, you just you can't. It's, it's hard to live with the volume turned down for the, for everything else. Cause the vo- you're like, Oh my gosh, this volume is turned up to 80 and it's never going to be turned up to that decibel again, unless I keep going over, which is why I kept going over for 10 years until I was like, okay, I've had enough of the volume. It's blowing out my ears. I need to turn the volume back down. But that being said, that's why if you watch 13 hours, the scene that epitomizes that is when you see Ansal Al Sharia and Al Qaeda in the Maghreb when they're taking over the consulate and they're running across the front lawn of that U.S. consulate. And the U.S. consulate was beautiful in Libya. It was like a resort. They they did. And you see how green that grass is. When I see that scene, it's like that's war. Oh my gosh, look how deep green that. Because when I came over the wall to get in on that compound to get in the fight, and I saw that grass, that's what it looked like. It was like wow. Holy crap, look how green that grass. I've never seen a green as grass ever in my life. And of course I had, but 
is because the senses you're just your senses are heightened and it's amazing and the fire just how orange it is and even at night because they use diesel smoke to to start the fires you could see that black smoke against the stars going and that's that's where i think 13 hours is is as far as accuracy and then the 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 camaraderie between the guys it's that jackassery when you're talking about Mm -hmm. it's that goofy it's that funny it's that play just be you know just making fun of each other I would imagine you would have to because you yeah, have to yeah. counter all that with something. Oh, you uh, laughter. And I, when yeah. I do my speeches, laughter is the best medicine. And that is the God honest truth. And that's why when you do see my character, the guy that played me in the movie, and we're still friends. I love him to death. Pablo Schreiber, who played me in the movie. He nailed that character. He nailed me. I, I always say he nailed me. And that doesn't sound good when I say he nailed me. <laughs> <laughs> but and we laugh about that all the time. Like, yeah, I nailed you, Tano. Yeah, Pablo, thanks, you motherfucker. All right, but uh, he, it's, it's spot on because, and he did. He, but what you know, what was cool, and this is why I have utmost respect for for actors. I, I didn't at the time. You know, you're with me, military. Fuck you, act. Fuck Hollywood. Uh, eat shit. I don't believe. When I got around Pablo and Sean Krasinski and Dominic and all those guys, and I saw how serious they took their craft, especially Pablo. I mean, as soon as he got picked. He reached. We we connected on Twitter that day that he was played to play me, and we got to know each other. And how much time he took just to get to know me, so he could represent me correctly with respect. And then how much seriousness he took to learn how to use the weapon systems. You can throw something off on a weapon just by the placement of your hand on a weapon, and a veteran will see that in a movie and be like, "Okay, this is shit. I'm out." Just one thing. Yeah. And they got it. Just us and they, how they the minute details and how Michael Bay got the minute details down, just so when you watch it, it's like, yep, that's right. And how many veterans have come up to me and said, "You guys did awesome, making sure that the tactics were right because that's what sold it." And the lights and the under night vision, it looks just like that. It's just just the everywhere sensory overload. So um, I again, I would have to say thirteen hours in that for that reason, not, and not just because I was in it, but because of that's what war really looks like. It's not dirty and gritty, even if you're in Iraq or Afghanistan or Pakistan or Yemen or Libya, all these countries I worked in. Yeah, it's dirty, but when war starts, it's not dirty. It's it's just it's, it's just whoa, this is freaking amazing. This is crazy, and uh, but that and as far as mo- war movies that aren't accurate. I would have to say none. I can't watch a war movie. That's not that. Well, I take it back. I take it back. I just watched it last night. The Dirty Dozen. Still one of my favorite classic movies from all time. Because I uh-huh. love watching Lee Marvin. I love it. I love watching Jim Brown and and uh, and I love watching Telly Savalas and Cray. Oh, still yeah. that. And, but you know what? That could it could be accurate too. That was World War Two. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. So what I've read seeing I don't know military people in person, um, is that they, they're they not big fans of the Hurt Locker. Okay, yeah, I get you on that. Okay, that is true. The reason being not what the Hurt Locker got, and it did what it did get accurate, it got accurate the need to go back overseas. Even if you have a one-year-old, been there. I had a one-year-old, and I left. I was like, I, I, I love you, but this is, I love you, son. He's 15 now. And I, I was in Iraq, came back for three months. Then I came, then he was born and, um, 
and I loved him and I was home for you know, my firstborn. I love him. And there was that itch just to get back, back to my buddies in Iraq, back to the job, back to Baghdad. Mm-hmm. This is 2004. And two weeks later, I left. I'm like, I'm out. And I was gone again for another eight months. Um, that aspect of you returning home or going in the grocery store and looking and going, cereal who what the what the hell is cereal what i don't who gives a shit you know uh, here here take some grape nuts i don't care <laughs> the worst cereal in the world but i don't i don't give a shit i'll take break your teeth on it i just i don't care and and cleaning the gutters and all the menial stuff when you want to go back that got right the the and then also um the the where you couldn't save the iraqi i i've been there a little girl a little girl i couldn't save her and, and that hurt that you uh, it's not just all uh, we're insensitive we're out there mur- no it's not like that at all you actually get to know and love and care about the people you're with and when you can't save one of them it hurts just as bad as if you lost a brother but it, the, what what was off and what hurts them as as i tell you like i said the tactics one little thing can get wrong it's going to throw the movie off mm-hmm. e- eod guys they're not snipers. They're not going to be out there shooting a 50 cal machine gun, getting in a firefight. The ordinance, it's not going to happen. Not the okay. contractors yet that they repped. Nah, they, they she embellished that. The, the, well, and he was a good actor. Ray Fines was the, was yes. where they met the military. No, nah, it's not like that. We were out there because I was a contractor at that time. I wish we were out there just running and snatching high value targets. No, that, that wasn't accurate either. So, um, uh, uh, but that's that's it's not it's not the person. It's not the it's not the the actual demeanor. It's not what what because that was accurate. That was spot on. That the feelings, the emotions. That's right. It's the mm-hmm. tactics. They screwed up the tactics. Like, gosh, this that's what it, it is because it's a wonderful movie. Until you start seeing EOD, EOD guys, which is what he played, doing mm-hmm. things that he shouldn't do, and also, this is this was this is a ranger thing. He was supposed to be a former ranger, so he had a combat scroll on his on his left on his uh, right arm. If he was an E6 and had a combat scroll on his right arm, he should have had a ranger tab on his left arm because he would have been a senior guy at Ranger Battalion. Uh, nobody's an E6 with a combat scroll and doesn't have a ranger tab on there. You'd be thrown out of battalion. See, it's this. People don't. It's, but for me, it's, those little things is what throw it off. Yes. Yeah. So that's no, understandable. I, you know what I was going to ask? I, since Chris was mentioning working with Michael Bay, I'm thinking back when we did Fangoria Radio, you got uh-huh. to interview so many awesome people. I mean, it was Quentin Tarantino was on the show, Samuel L. Jackson. I don't. I know that the Quentin Tarantino was just with Tony Timpone because I remember that. But Michael Bay, when we talked about like how over the top he was, I remember between you and D was like an ongoing joke. But I don't think you ever got a chance to uh, interview him, right? No, no, we didn't. No, I don't you know, know why. Why would yeah, that be? <laughs> we talked about him all. Well, you guys talked about him all the time. You know what interview I always think of, and I would love to reflect on all these years later. Um, I, I will always remember when you and Tony interviewed Michael Madsen. And oh my gosh! He, and and <laughs> my, here's the thing, Michael Madsen. I don't know, and I would love to hear your opinion on this. I don't know if it was shtick or if he was really that big of a dick because <laughs> it was. I, I think he was that big of a dick, but in a good sense. Like in other words, when you get Michael Madsen, you get Michael Madsen. There's like, there's only, you know, he's the type of guy that what you see, you think is a different guy off camera, but it's that guy. Like he's that guy in every interview. He's eating, he was eating uh, spaghetti with ranch sauce. 
And he said he was just like eating, and he he had a new book that came out, and that's why he was on the show, uh, photographs or something like that. Wow. And uh, I think Tony said to him, "Hey, Michael, can you?" <laughs> I'm doing a bad impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> you sound you sound exactly like him. You're perfect. You just, <laughs> just read something from the book, and he goes, uh. That's not gonna happen, <laughs> right? And, yes, I remember, and I remember you. You know, you, you were trying to make this interview go. D. Snyder was not there, so it was you and Tony Timpone, yeah. editor in chief of Fangoria at the time. And uh, you know, you were asking some great questions, and I, I still remember because we isolated the sound clip of him going, <laughs> "You know, it's ten o'clock at night on a Friday. I'm sitting here eating spaghetti." Well, when are you going to ask me some interesting questions? And yeah. I, I, I was yeah. thinking if it was, I think if it was D, he would have fucking hung up on him, and you probably yeah. would have too. But you were like, you know what? It's Fangoria Radio. It's for the company, and you just went with it. It just went with it, and it was. I got to tell you something. At the time, it was so painful. It was oh. so painful. But think of this. Afterwards, once I got over the trauma that night, I realized we had some really good sound clips. We did. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if you think forward and you're like, okay, we did the battle, so to speak, but and, and we and we lost, but we <laughs> won some really good clips to use forever, just like we did with uh, Thomas Jane. Yes, yeah, exactly. We're on the bleeding cutting edge. Yes. Thing he said who is so who is i mean in all your years even if it's not fangoria radio because you did radio prior who was like your favorite interview that you got to have oh that that really is tough because there's so many amazing i think one of the funniest ones i don't know if it's the best interview but when we when you guys had on for my birthday sean patrick flannery and yeah. he was put on a, he put on an english accent and he was making like years ago. We met up in uh, some punk rock bathroom and had sex. And my <laughs> mom was like, really, like, could it be? I mean, I don't think so. But you know, guy. And, and then he dropped the accent. It was like you know, because we would always, uh, whenever we would have him on, um, we would like put up the picture of him, the cover of Playgirl, right? We'd like sort of like bug him and, and have fun with him. But when he did that on my birthday, he told I had no idea it was him. So that's one moment I'll always remember. Hey, so was that was that the same birthday that producer Mike Costell got you the cake? With the giant chocolate cock on top. <laughs> yes, 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 it was. And then for Dee's birthday, we had uh, the payas, you know, the, yes. the hostage payas, blonde for Dee and, uh, you know, brunette for me and, and all that. No, yeah, yeah, I got the cock and uh, I got uh, <laughs> Sean Patrick Flannery. What more do I need? I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> this is a great show. Pa Pablo nailed me, and Debbie got the cock. How about that? There you go. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so. Hey, life, you know, life is amazing. Now, there were yeah. so good memories, though, right, Igor? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of funny because I look back, and at the time, I just didn't realize how great of an opportunity that, that, that it was. And the first couple of years, probably me and or maybe the first year, me and Mike Costell, the, the producer, clashed a little bit. And then I grew to really respect him. And I actually think how hard he was on me on certain things really helped me evolve, you know, 
as time went by and just the amount of guests we had. I mean, I look back on that show. We had Diamond Dallas Page. We had wow. uh, Mick Foley. And, and you know, when Quentin Tarantino was in studio with with uh, Tony Timpone, it made me realize, like, what an impact he had and Fangoria had just on the genre. Because I didn't know that Quentin Tarantino, as a younger kid working at Blockbuster, would go to conventions and give Tony Timpone a script and, and say, what do you think of this? Like, so when he came to Sirius, one of the interviews that he was like, I have to have is Tony Timpone. And, and it just made me really respect him and, and what he does yeah. and, and both of what you guys did as well. But, you know, it, yeah. And I can't underscore that enough because like going to to all the, the pain that that Chris has seen and gone through in his life. And I'm not comparing this. I can compare another part of my life to to um, sure. living on the edge and, and things being vibrant, which was uh, living on this, the street as a kid. But yeah. we'll get to that later, the book. But I will say, as far as the show goes, like a lot of people have podcasts now. But what we did was different in the sense that we had Mike Estelle, who was a hard ass on all of us. But... <laughs> It's like having like someone above you in the military that you went, you grow to love because he has your back, you're learning, and if he was just yesing you or just go, was phoning in his job and he wasn't so dedicated, at the end of the day, the person's like either forgotten or you don't have as much respect. But boy, do we have respect for him because he worked his fucking ass off. He did it. You know, your guys is cutting your teeth and, and and Debbie listening to you, especially the Lloyd Kaufman part two, where the young guys coming in and, and there's that double edged sword, but you got to push them, but they don't really know what the hell they're doing, but you're going to scream at him anyway. To, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like basic training. It's so yeah. the similarities. It's, <laughs> and I think we're think we're so different. Oh, our jobs are. No, it, it really is. It's it's trial by fire. You either you get the shit done and you figure it out or guess what? You're out. Bye. And get, I'm not yeah. going to be nice about it, but then I'm going to be nice about it just to fuck with your head a little bit. I'm going to say, are, are you, I'm going to be friends with you just to see if I can see if I can get you. Tr- and then I'm going to blow you up and see how you handle it and see how you deal with the door. And you, we do that. Cause you, and when I say blow, I mean like yelling, not blow you up. Yeah. Really. yeah. I, 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 I got veterans out there. I know it, but you know, I, because you have to see how you handle under pressure and watching that just be, that was, that was in itself being on set watching that to me i i can see how you have to be able to handle pressure and stress and learning on that stage there where your intern if you can't handle it there how are you going to handle it if you want to go to the whatever level and i don't know what the levels would be i i can't i don't know i can range in in military basic training then you got a airborne then ranger and so forth you got to handle it in different levels but if you can't handle it one stage how are you going to handle it the next and it, it sounds when i'm listening to you and ian talk Igor, I love it. Igor, I love it. I love it. <laughs> it was a horror awesome. show. They had to have, uh, you know, name the fit. But, but um, it just sounds, it sounds exactly similar. And and you obviously you handled it well, and you dealt with it. Just by I can tell by your laugh, and you dealt with it with a laugh. And but then if you had to get, if you had to get serious, oh yeah. But in the meantime, eh, it's screw it. I got it. And you took it with a grain of salt, and that's that's awesome because it does. It sounds yeah. exactly like. You have and, to, and I do want to say, I do have to jump in and say just how much I love Lloyd Kaufman because I want to make it that super clear because when I say up and down and all describe him on the set and stuff, I, I do say that with the same respect that you're speaking of when you're going through training. Sure. So 
everybody who like people go into you know working on his films in various levels and they do one a one-off and then they're out and they, they don't have anything to good say versus the people who do two or three and then they'll always look back they don't try to shun their trauma past it's like a yeah. badge of honor because if you can get through that holy shit you can get through anything oh, any yeah. shoot because you have done it all and yeah, so anyway, yeah, I just I want to underscore that because no, I'm sure oh, my lover, oh, Mr. He's, as someone who's met him as well, like he's a great guy, so creative, one of the funniest people I've ever met. And, and kind of to echo what you're saying with my years that I got to work with you, I met so many people who wanted to do what you did and, and work in horror and be the next Scream Queen. And we had, I remember, a Scream Queen contest, and I was even on set with you for that short film, Cottonmouth. And mm -hmm. a lot of those women are no longer in the industry because they didn't have what it takes. And I think after maybe a year or two of grinding, they go, this isn't for me. And you're someone who at this point, what is it, Debbie, like 30 years you've been going strong? And, and how many movies? 50? Was, was it 50 movies? Or are we, are we up? Or even more than that? Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Up, down, upside, downside, uh, the, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. Been through, uh, I was blackballed in the early 90s by this guy. So I had to take, um, because I wouldn't sleep with him and he was the editor. It was, trust me, it wasn't Fangoria of some magazine, but he was in contact. There was, there was no real internet then, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So yep. I had to like, you know, I didn't get to work with the name you know, horror directors I had to, because he would say, you know, you hire her and no publicity in my magazine, none. So, you know, most, not all, but most would say, okay, well, what do I care? Who, who's she, you know? So then I would have to do stuff that may be more exploitive or maybe lower more indie, but you have to like keep like swinging the bat and saying, you know, F you, you're not going to do this to me. Even if I have to change up what I'm doing, I'll do it because, you know, you, you're just not going to have that kind of an effect on me. You may have, you, you know, you may put a, a burp in the, the system sure. here. You have to not have the, you know, trajectory that was maybe once possible. But, you you know, you're not going to stop me. I'm just going to have to keep reinventing myself. And, and that's what you do. You just keep going. You, you dealt with obstacles and adversity, and you found a way to get around it, through it, or over it. You did it. Yeah. Oh my, do, do, does Debbie fit in with the theme of the show that we always have, brother? Doesn't matter. Yeah, no, what, 100%. If you're going to be successful, I mean, you got to, you don't quit. You never fucking quit. You just keep oh, you, driving. You oh, got to keep driving, man. And seriously, now, nowadays with this cancel culture, I swear to God, like, I, I I don't know how they get the kind of like, I guess it's just social media, but they get this kind of weird power for a while there. Yeah. I think they were more successful because it would get people actually fired and lose actual jobs and stuff. And they would feel successful in doing such. But the kind of nice thing about in the indie world is like, well, who are you going to get to fire me, Lloyd Kaufman? Well, I don't think so. You know, I've got to worry about Disney um, but you know, with that being said, who knows financially it would be a nice worry to have, but you know, I think more my relationship to like the theme of your show and survival, that kind of goes back more to the, the years, like from age 11, 12 to 16, 17, when I lived on the street. So, which is what my book's about, but 
I when you were talking about like the the blinders were on and things were just so vivid and it was really difficult to come out of living in crisis because you know when you live in crisis 24 7 and then you're taken out and it's like I don't even I can't relate to this that part I completely relate to like how can you have a conversation about a tree when all this stuff is going on yeah (laughs) yeah really relate to I would like, and I, Ian, if you don't have anything, I, which you probably do, if if you do, but eventually before, because we still got a little bit, but before you go, I want, I want to hear about your time, if you can, before, as much as you want to give, uh, without giving too much of the book, because I want people to go out and buy your book. Yeah, no, but, well, the book uh, is in the uh, process, uh, so right, I want the book is but, just about to come out, Debbie. Uh, well, it's pushed back a little bit because of coronavirus sure. and all the stuff that goes with it. But it did definitely have a 2021 release, so I'm still hoping by the end, if it gets pushed to early 2022, that's possible. It's um, a b- boutique uh, company in the UK, so we'll have to see what happens. But it, oh, it's it's you know it'll be out uh, maybe a variation of six months or something. But um, it's just really about you know landing in the middle of a, a city, being homeless sleeping you know wherever you can being like rejected by the culture if there were certain things that you didn't want to do or or you wouldn't do you know having to like steal or eat out of dumpsters do all this kind of stuff being held up for a week um there was this gay guy that i knew that you know he was a hustler on the street but the two of us were taken by these two guys were held for like a week in this apartment just outside of the city great at time i mean it was really but we got out but it was like, uh, that's why I'm relating so much to where you're coming from. Sure, yeah. Is because, you know, you get out, there's no, t- there's no time to think about or talk about it. So the irony is, all these years later, because we're talking about late 70s, or kind of early 80s, but mostly the, the late 70s, long time ago. And, you know, just writing about it now in this past year, the stuff it's brought up. So it must be the same, like, you know, not to switch back again, but, you know, this is all the same theme. I can imagine, like, being in the military and, and, you know, all those decades go by and you just ignore a lot of that stuff. And then you're writing about it and it comes up like there's some days where in the middle of it, I just physically stand up, walk away from the computer too much overload. Like it just... And, and, right back up like it was yesterday. Is and stuff that yeah maybe not really suppressed. You just you just, you really yeah you don't think about it until something something will trigger it. That's what people uh, I, when I talk and I I'm, I'm gonna lie and I, I've, I've had to talk to therapists about my stuff. I've been a veteran so I'm like hey man I'm having issues right now, and mm-hmm. you really don't what triggers it and I don't have the nightmares. I don't have anything like that. So that like the, the movies. Oh I'm having night sweats. It's it's during the day. It's I'll smell something and that smell will trigger that thought and then I'll just fade out I'm like and I'll go wherever I my daughter when she's with me sometimes that'll happen and she'll she'll go daddy you're you're thinking about something aren't you because because she, she'll see me start to talk and mumble and and it is it's those things that bring back and the the writing did I for me it was therapeutic it was cathartic to write when I do my public speaking it does it is hard but it is very cathartic to do it. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're getting the same thing because a lot of those things that suppress, I do need to get them out. I do need to at least think about them and 
and then, you know, and then accept what happened and, and then move on. And it's still, it's going to take years and years, which is fine. You know, that was the road I chose. Um, but right. is that the same thing that you felt you're doing when you're writing the book or when you have those thoughts, when you had to get up and walk away, did you just try to forget about them again? Or was it an ex- like me? It's an acceptance. It's okay. This is what happened. It, embrace it. I got to, exp- that's what I thought. I said, man, I got to experience that. Who gets to experience this in their life? I, I don't have to worry about it when I'm 80 and be like, man, I wish I would have lived. I can just, when I'm 80, hopefully if I make it till I'm 80 or whatever, <laughs> I can sit on my porch and go, you know what? Fuck. I lived a good, I had a lot of good things happen yeah. in my life. Experiences. And they weren't always uh-huh. good, but they're experiences. I just want, if that's kind of the same thing you feel you're feeling right now or that you felt. And that's why with, as you're doing the book. Right. It, well, the, the, what comes up for me and I don't know if it's different, but this is what comes up for me as a female. Okay. I don't know why, but you know, I am like, so I've lived my life and even the characters I play now, like for the many decades now, I've always been like the serial killer, right? I've been the killer. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how, how I kind of approach life is like, so not victim, like it's yeah. so not victim. Awesome. And really hard for me to to even say out loud and accept and just put into words you know even something like oh I was raped for a week I to own that to own that I'm really uncomfortable owning that like you know what I mean that that's hard for me to say out loud still you're too but by saying it I I I I prom I I can almost guarantee people there's going to be some women out there listening and men even like myself going Holy crap, just by you saying that, how hard is that to do? Oh my, but you're doing it. You've just helped, I guarantee you've just helped at least a handful of people right there by what you just said. And that's that's strength. But I don't even realize how much strength that is by you by you just saying that because you're having to remember it. And I'm sorry we brought it up. I but no, I'm glad you're talking about it. No, Thank I mean that's what makes the show good, helpful. man. I think is is getting deep. It's it's what we do differently than all these other shows that, you know, just get into shallow topics and politics. And I ah, like that we avoid politics. that. Yeah, like, fuck politics. Hey, get, buy my new DVD. It's on my website. I didn't mean to break it up, but I want, can you keep going a little bit too? Because I'm, this helps me too. It's like, you know, I, 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 it really does me listening to you. It, it always puts things in perspective because, you know, I, I can't relate to something like that. And I know that's got to be traumatic as, as hell. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But but yeah. I, I, I would like because you're helping me just by you it, talking. It's it is hard because I think it's exactly what you said. And then what comes up for me, which is, OK, well, I've got to like actually say out loud and write down and own the fact. OK, yeah, I did steal. I, oh, you know, yeah. I'm what am I a thief? Yeah. Say it. Own it. Own it. I, but I was like. 13 I had to eat I have all these reasons but just to actually have the fear of writing it down and then what are people going to think that process I don't of just okay I can I know what I am I don't necessarily think about it but to to own it enough to say it and write it down and and you know it's I don't know why but it's harder than if someone's never done it if yeah. you if you've suppressed something for a long time, it feels so scary to put it out there. And I, you know, I've heard that many times and haven't thought a lot about it, but you don't really realize what that kind of fear is. But when you face it, that gives you strength. And, you know, that's, that's the only thing I'm like, I'm, I'm looking for. And at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, for all the people, 
I only care about the people it will help. For all the people that want to use anything against me, well, I can't care about them. Yeah, I yeah. care about the truth and for the, anybody who will get anything out of it. And that, it just has to be that. Like, that has to, you know, keep me yeah. on track. Yeah, you're, you're right. I, I, I even take it to the next, I say that I don't really even, with, when I was doing it and when I still talk, I, I get to the point, and this may be a negative side, but it's, I don't really give two shits what you think. I'm going to put this out here right now. If it helps you, great. If it doesn't, step off. Walk on. Don't let the door hit right. you on the ass in the wet. If you want to talk shit, all right, well, haters are out there. That's just how it goes. That's, that's, yeah. that's the, so I, so honestly, I think you're a bigger person by the way you've rationalized it than I am. But, <laughs> I do, but I do, just by talking to you, I don't have any doubt in my mind. You don't have any, any heartache going, you know what? Here's my finger. I don't give two shits what you think about me. I'm putting this on here because this is what I want to say. And I, I know it's going to help people down the road. So I, yeah. and, and I, I, that's true. But that is that strength. And sometimes you have to be a bit, and I don't want to say arrogant, but it is a bit confident, and arrogant when you do something like this, because, you know, somebody's going to find it and ridicule it. Oh, there's trolls everywhere now. So, yeah. But in the end of the day, even if you've helped one person, which I guarantee you, you have, you've helped me. It's it's worth it. It is tremendously worth it, man. I, I and you're still and you're still working. You're still out there just driving on, teaching, teaching <laughs> how to. Do, oh, that's amazing. I'm sorry, Ian. I, I just said again before I start the show. It's like Ian. Uh, I'm gonna let you lead this one, and here I go. Talking, <laughs> I'm the one that says, talks all the time. <laughs> I call Bangor Radio. Damn it. <laughs> sorry, well, Ian. Go ahead, brother. I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm so grateful to Igor and everything he did. For the show, after the show, how he's kept in touch. Yeah. I mean, to me, that is that really gets my heart because you know, even though you only mentioned D. Snyder on your website, not me, which you oh, know, really? I noticed. Oh, yeah, well, he, is, yeah. he is the big name. Let's be real here. Everybody knows. <laughs> like, I gotta give him a hard time. But no, no, no. I, he's always he's always there, even if it's in the background. And that sort of like long term friendship stuff. That's I'm all about that. So yeah, I know, which is why I have to see because I don't even know if you're in Canada or New York right now. You're always between the two. Right now, like just before the pandemic, I came up to Canada, so that's where it is until things loosen up. Right now, there's a travel ban. <laughs> yeah. So, Shock. Yeah. 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 But so, uh, no, what I, what I was going to say though, with your book and and what you're saying about what you're putting out there and and the feelings of should you put it all out there, I think it goes back to any story that we like to hear, any book we like to read, anyone that we look up to as a hero or someone that that has inspired us i think they all have major fuck-ups in their life that they're transparent oh, yeah. about and that that's yeah. what really inspires people if you read a book and it's all look how great i am look at these accomplishments yeah. they're, they're hiding something they're not being completely transparent i mean i've talked about on the show before how uh, debbie knows i'm a huge motley crew fan debbie was actually yeah. working with me when i got my dr feel good tattoo but when i hear about um you know shit not with me but it was at that time but when I hear Nikki Six talk about his heroin overdose and how it yeah. inspired the album Dr. Feel Good, yeah. you know, all these things that people like that have gone through, that that inspires me. People who have seen the absolute bottom. And I think when people yeah. read their your book, as opposed to look at all the awesome films that I've done, look how great of a career I've had, look at all these amazing people I've met, which I'm sure will be included in there. I think those really low points are going to say, you know, yeah, after Rashawn got through this, I can get through what I'm going through. 
Well, you know, it may be, um, I'm hoping it'll be an exciting thing, but it's actually nothing about the film career. It's just focusing on 74 to 84. And so the, I figure if there's interest, I'll do another one that's about the film work and everything. There is a couple of films that were sort of life-changing for me, like Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains, which is, you know, during that period when I met Paul Cook, the drummer of the Sex Pistols. No, this is not a name-dropping thing, but we did, like, for a year, have a relationship, and that will be in there, but that will be, like, the most, if you want to say, you know, uh, name-dropping, but the, sure. there, there's, but that that's just factual. That's just part of the story that, because that movie inspired me to get into movies, so it's vital. So I'm really focusing on all that stuff, that 10-year period, in this book from the underbelly to the underground that's the name of the book so then it's sort of like as i start to get into the underground filmmaking just at the very beginning of that that's kind of where it ends and then if i decide to do the following 10 years or 20 years in the following book then i can but i think this should sort of stand on its own because to just sort of wipe over those things in a cursory fashion i think that would be a mistake yeah, and I, I, and that's what I do believe people really, if I was going to read, and which I, I do, if say, if I was going to read, when I read, or <laughs> yeah, when I'm looking for something, that's what, <laughs> that's what you want to hear. I, yeah, that 10 years, that's what, I, how, do, how, did, how did she handle it? How did she go through it? Especially if, if people are aspiring to follow in your footsteps or getting you know, do the try to live somewhat to the life that you did as far as that lane they want to stay in. You mm -hmm. got to learn how. How do you handle those failures? How did she do it? And how does she? And how does she continue to be successful? And name dropping with the six. So what? Name drop that to yeah. me. That if you name drop and uh, sex pistols, that see when you said that, that pick. Holy shit! You did. You did. <laughs> You're with the drummer of the sex pistols. Okay, now I definitely got to read it because it's just relatable. It really is. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is something else. All right, let's see what happened here. All right, yeah. but it's it's okay. great. Oh, you, and name drop the fuck on this show. Name drop all you want. Come on, we, we're not we're not like on a mainstream. We're, I want you to name drop on here, and I want because I do feel people do need to read your story. Living on the street, I've never had to live on the street. I don't know what that experience is like. I can't talk about it. You can. And people, believe me, people will learn from it. And I, or either one way, like, hey, there's no way in hell. I better get my shit together because I don't want to live on the street like Debbie did. Or maybe they'll find something. They'll, the book will pop up somewhere to somebody that's going down that road, and they'll figure out a way by your example how to pick themselves up and get out of it, which after talking, it's like just you got to work your ass off and keep moving forward. I mean, but uh, no, it's amazing. I, I, I didn't know the sex pistol thing. I didn't know either. So that's uh, honestly, now nah, I'll read the book. I'll read the book. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you. I'll read, I'll read. I got another speaker, Igor. Thank you. Nice. Igor. Dude, I love it. <laughs> I didn't know you called him Igor. That's it. Your call sign. I don't care. Ian. Your call sign is Igor. It fits. It's like else here today. I name back to Igor. Uh, <laughs> and that is like, it's like Harry Potter's wand, dude. That fits you right there. That fucking, the call sign fits you. It finds you. It never fails. That works <laughs> awesome. Yeah. You know what I wanted to, to talk about going back to, you know, the film industry and actually what's going on right now. I know that your life revolves around constantly filming a new movie, whether it is New York or Canada. 
and then really attending a lot of horror conventions. And the thing is, even before this, that business has been a little weird at the moment. Like, I don't know if you heard, which you probably have because you're in this whole world, like the Rock and Shock Festival, which is a tradition every year in Massachusetts. I've gone to several of them where it's a horror convention along with some music, whether, you know, it's Danzig playing or Insane Clown Posse some years. Uh, <laughs> that That's no longer going to be going on. That was pre-pandemic. So right. I, I'm just wondering from your perspective, I mean, you've seen the movie industry change so much throughout the decades, and it's about to make another major change because are there going to be horror conventions? What are movie theaters going to look like? I would love to hear your perspective. Well, first, I can only speak to independent filmmaking. And I think of all the filmmaking that will sort of come to life first. I, I know people have all kinds of plans because they have lots of money for like Netflix specials and, yeah, and yeah. really big budget movies. They can handle doing all the extra precautions. I think the indie guys who really fly under the radar, um, they're going to cut some corners right or wrong. So I think that they're going to get into back into filming uh, as soon as possible, maybe quicker um, before anything's like fully thought out or figured out. I think they'll have masks and stuff like that. And I think it'll just be, you know, you'll see what happens. As far as the conventions go, I have no clue. I know a lot of actors make the bulk of their money doing conventions. I don't, but I know a lot of them do. So basically, a lot of their job has just come to a halt like everybody else. And, um, I, you know, for movie theaters, uh, I guess they can only sell a far less amount of tickets. I think what I'm seeing is a lot of people are going to drive-ins and yeah, they're coming yeah. back. Like That's awesome. Yeah. A vengeance. And this um, indie movie, because the big, big studios up until now, they're going to change their mind probably, but they haven't been putting their movies in drive-ins. And so the indie movies that have, have become like the number one seen movies across the country. And as with everything else, as soon as Hollywood sees that, they're going to turn around and go, okay, now we're going to get all the, the drive-ins, you know, we're going to fill them all up now that they saw that it works. And so I think the drive-in is going to have a nice little comeback until all the other stuff gets figured out. And I would love it just to stay that way. I, I, yeah, uh, you, you, you can't get that feel. I went to, I swear, was it a spoke in New Mexico? One of the few drive-ins left in America. And I spoke in this, I think it was Carlsbad, New Mexico or somewhere down in that area. And I, I, I did, I went and saw, uh, it was, it wasn't an indie movie. It was a mainstream movie, but it was, I can't remember what it was. I think it was, it was with the, it was with the rock. It was with the apes and the, based off that video game where the big ape and the alligator destroy Chicago and stuff. But just going to the drive-in again it brought back the memories of growing up and how fun it was. And it is, it's just, you're in your car, it's so comfortable. And I, mm -hmm. I would love to see that come back. And seeing seeing movies, especially the indie movies, at the drive-in again, I bring back just fantastic memories. I, I, I hope I didn't even think about that. And it makes perfect sense. I, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a very smart man, but I, <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think. But that well, would be awesome. You know why you didn't think of it? Because most of them have been demolished. Yeah, so yeah. we have a limited amount that you could even reopen. But what I'm hoping is that, you know, they do well. I know regular theaters will figure it out because there's too much money at stake. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, hey, 
it, it, the good comes out of everything, right? And the, if the drive-in comes out of this, you know, has it come back, then, you know, something good came out of it. Would you go? Igor, would you go to the drive-in? Yeah, for what, what I hear from uh, oh, over yeah. here, like, I think that there's drive-in movie theaters, like one in Queens, for example, and they are doing this, and they're selling out, like, immediately. They're putting yeah. stuff up on the internet, and it's, like, Good. immediately, it doesn't even matter what the film is. Right. So it, people it. are really eager for this. Awesome. And would you go? Yeah, if oh it's the right God. movie. If, it, if it's one of your movies, sure, I'll come out. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I was well, looking. I, I was looking so forward to Top Gun. Top Gun Two coming out, and to me, like that is such a summer movie. Yeah. I would love to see that at drive-throughs, and it's just kind of weird that it's being pushed back to you know Christmas time. I, I don't think of Top Gun as like a Christmas movie. It's a movie where you would see people probably pull up in their convertibles and in, in their shorts and you know their Top Gun hat or something. I mean, it's it's a total you know playing volleyball on the beach like in the first movie. That it's that type of movie. And when I heard like ah, it's it it really just sucks when when I hear about some of the stuff going on because over here. I look so forward to that Memorial Day air show, which I went to a year ago. I always put off going and great time. And it was like that Top Gun and all of these summer plans now put on hold. Yeah. Yeah. Really? You know what? I And I don't want to go down a negative path because we were going so good for a while there. But what, <laughs> oh, plus, what are the, um, and then, oh, I, I can't laugh and then say this, but. The, it was really heartbreaking the other day, guys. One of the snowbirds crashed when they were doing a show for somebody when they were just took off, and you know it's uh, there were the snowbirds up here that that's part of the um, the the Air Force and they, they sure. put on yep. special shows, and oh my god, uh, that video circulated. I watched it. And it was just like I felt like my my heart was just smashed with a you know brick. It was horrifying i don't you guys hear about that down there or? well I, I i it's completely honest as much as i was in, was in and part of the news for about three years after benghazi i don't watch the news anymore. I, in fact i don't know anything that's going on unless ian tells me and well, says hey let's see. so no i didn't see it but i know that no i know I, I worked with the canadian special operations guys i know the snowbirds are and i didn't know that happened oh my yeah, yeah that's uh, one of the air shows it, it was it's those pilots but they, they're they're tremendous. They live on the edge, and pilots are just amazing. But uh, yeah, God, and that was at the Memorial Memorial Day show. So obviously, so man, well, God bless him and his family, and, and yeah. whatever happened. I I didn't know, but and it's not we're, we're not ended on a negative. That's yeah. You, know, you talk about veterans and, and guys yeah. that have served. We, it's kind of hey, we we know what we get into, and right. and I'm sure the pilot. I know he probably didn't think about it, but. Man, he was doing what he loved. And on a positive side, he's doing what he – if officer, he wouldn't still be doing it. So I'm like, oh, i got to get in this plane and fly at Mach 80 and, and have right. my adrenaline pump. You know, he was yeah. – I'm sure he was sure he was just doing what he loved to do. I got. I will look at the video, though. I will. I, I'm, I'm morbid or not. I'm, yeah. I'm human. Well, yeah. The, the two, the two um, officers uh, – is that what you would call them? Off, you call them off. Yeah, no, they're officers. You get, you're, in, you're, if you're a pilot, you're an officer, yeah. Okay, so the two officers did um, eject. Uh, they did pass away at the end of it all, but they did eject out of the plane before it crashed. But unfortunately, they sure. uh, both um, – they passed away um, after they had ejected. But, Jeez. yeah, so, um, you know – 
That's right. a crazy story. I, I have not seen it yet either. And, you know, yeah, uh, if, if anyone who knows those guys, their families are listening, I mean, that's it's terrible to hear. And, and as Chris said, they do live on the edge. Um, I wanted to ask you one thing uh, career wise as well as we're wrapping things up here. I know you said you were in the process of, of putting out some new films. What's the status of that and what could we look forward to hopefully in the near future? Oh, yeah, real quick. There's a few things um, with my dear friend Melhouse uh, did a movie down in Texas called Mystery Spot. And no, it's not what you think it is. It's like <laughs> a place. It's not that mystery spot. Anymore. It's a place. <laughs> is that bad that I'm the one that laughed at that? I'm sorry. I laughed too. I'm like, okay. I'll go down the road in a minute, but not with this movie. Uh, but Mystery Spot, um, it's going to be amazing. It really is a type of movie that that's hard to talk about, not give things away. But it's this sort of like place where everything is like it's kind of this fantasy, sci-fi, paranormal, you know, place that's in, in the middle of nowhere and everything turns on its head. But Mystery Spot, I'm really excited for. Um, we finished shooting that. What's upcoming uh, a movie called Freak that I'm going to be doing in Philly, all depending on when travel and shooting is going to um, ramp up again. And a sequel to Axe to Grind called Axe to Grind and co-starring Stormy Daniels. Oh, wow. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's our, there's our one political comment on the whole show right there. Outstanding. I don't know. Is, ha, is doing a movie with a porn star political? Like, was I was, it, well, how, wasn't, how she, is, wasn't she Wasn't she part of it? Yeah, no, I, she was. But I mean, yeah. you know, but have you have you seen her actually like act on the film? Like what's her acting abilities, Debbie? Um, I honestly don't know. I spoke to her on the phone once because we were talking about characters and stuff. Uh, for maybe at the most five minutes, just a little touch base because you know the producer is like, you guys are playing sisters, so um, you know we're gonna be shooting it in December, and it's kind of like a real whatever happened to Baby Jane type of thing. She's, wow, Whoa, she's yeah, kind that's... of this, this uh, agoraphobic sister, and I'm like kind of the mean, bitter one, and all that's all I'll say about that because you know we haven't shot it yet, so yeah. it's not really yeah. out there. But that's going to be shot in December. Um, and so that's going to be a, a, a lot of fun. I mean, it's really going to be a lot of fun. I get to be really, really mean. So, you know, yes. fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's there's quite a few other ones, honestly. Um, there's uh, working with um, Brett again. I did Bloody Ballet with him. That came out about a year ago, and he's doing another film, hopefully in August. Everything's kind of up in the air with the travel ban, right? So yeah. we're gonna see what happens and and see what's uh, what's going to come together. I'm sure sooner or later. It yeah, will. No, hopefully so. I, you know, what, if if we mention Stormy Daniels, I gotta at least uh, give you guys a last uh, a funny like last Debbie story. That that you'll find that I think the audience will find funny. Right. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, Debbie. No, um, I, I don't. So here, I, I'm new to it. Tell me. So Come on, just, when, I'm when your we audience right here. when we shared an office at Fangoria, Debbie would always decorate with like different, you know, interesting things and props. And so at one point, what's up? <laughs> Are you, are you, we're not, this doesn't, we're not talking about like dildo no, no, no. stuff hanging from the wall. No, 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 I'm going to right now. You'll know where I'm going with that. Okay, okay, this keep going. Done. So, one, but what's up? 
tell. I was making fun, but you go ahead. You, you, yeah, no, 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 that's why it's funny. <laughs> that, that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell. It was an irony type of thing. Debbie, as a joke, you know, because it, the book was just so absurd. Would yes. print out quotes from The Art of the Deal by Donald Trump, <laughs> and, oh, and she would be like, "We gotta so live by these rules." And and because there were things in the book, I remember you would even show me in Donald Trump's book where he was like, "If you want to be successful." You got to have meetings with the best. I have meetings with people like A-Rod. And I remember I was like, how does anyone even use this in their everyday life? I'm going to call up A-Rod and schedule a meeting. Are like, you kidding I, me? I got, I'm got. i having lunch with A-Rod this evening. I mean, lunch this evening. Did that make a lot of sense? I'm having, okay. I screwed that one so up. Yeah, I, there, well, I'm all rested. I just remember you would, would put up these quotes and I mean. Who would have ever thought all these years later that he really would become the president? And it no, happened. It's insane because I did it as a, such an outrageous joke. I would put up things like, and the thing, the funny thing is I do actually sleep very little, but stupid things like only losers sleep more than four hours a night. Like in all these like ridiculous quotes that I would, new ones every day and just to make people laugh. He didn't even have the outrageous Twitter stuff. You got to no. kiss, kiss my ass, too. I, since I left the military, you ain't getting my ass up at 6 a.m. F you. I'm <laughs> sleeping 12 hours. I mean, like, Ian, Ian's, like, we start the podcast at 11, and he didn't tell you. I, I, he'll call me at 10.50, like, you read, like, yeah, I'm just getting out of bed, getting some coffee. What time did you go to bed? Midnight. I'm fine, but then I felt good in 10 hours. So, oh, Lord. That, it, it. Uh, you, I'm, I'm, I gotta tell oh, some more stories, Dad. We gotta have you, have you on again. I, I, I know we, and we're oh. gone over a little bit, but uh, I, I yeah. do want one because I am, I am coming back from the Donald Trump book back to the Debbie Rashad, but I do because because of your story, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's gonna help, it's gonna help people out there. Can you tell people again the name of it? Well, and please name drop all you want because I, I am, I'm very passionate on helping people get through dark times because I, I've had a Glock in my mouth twice. Oh. I've done the crying game in the shower, literally. Where yeah. I'm, I, I, so could you do it again? Because I, I do. I, and I, I think it, I think your story definitely, because I can't relate to a lot of stuff you went through. I can't talk about it. You can. You've been through it. The name of the book. And then when it's going to come out again. And please, please. Because I think that's really, really important. And um, I, I know I'm interested. Completely. Oh, well, and you know what? Both of you guys, I really want to thank you guys. Because you guys are giving me more encouragement to be the way I have to be in my approach to the book. So I'm saying that you have given me back just by talking to you guys oh. today. Honestly, oh, no bullshit. It's uh, our honor. So the book is called From the Underbelly to the Underground. And okay. it should still be 2021. Uh, it could be 2022. I'm not sure yet. Because of the pandemic, it's thrown... Sure. Every, every all the physical um, stuff, it's kind of thrown it off a bit. And it, it really is a physical book because this particular publishing house, they do like an amazing, well, you will be able to get it as an ebook. It's more of like a presentation. They put okay. so much the design and everything. So, um, yeah, so I'll have to sort of keep you guys up to date on when, but from the underbelly to the underground. And it's all you're, all the different book outlets you can get it from you because you got a publisher in UK or is it only like on your website or when it does come out or have you guys not figured out the distribution yet? Well, it's going to be, I'm sure it's going to be the type of thing where if you bought directly from them, they would be uh, the best served because okay. they are a boutique place. Um, sure. 
but it will be in bookstores. It will be on the usual Amazon outlets okay. like that. All the places that you buy books online, it will be there. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I thank you. And thank you for doing thank that. I know it, it's always hard. I, I just have a hard time too. So when I want to show is to sell my own stuff, cause I feel like it, <laughs> I feel like a douchebag, but you got, but, but it is people need to read it and people need yeah. to need to need to hear about failure and how you overcame it. That's, yeah. that's, that's success right there. That's how you're successful. Not sleeping less than four hours a night. Cause <laughs> I am, and I, that's yeah. how you become. That's <laughs> right. Uh, well, I, it's an honor, no, so an honor, Debbie. Over here, it's been yeah. an honor for me too. Thank you guys. Thanks for your patience. And uh, remember, Ian is Igor. <laughs> <laughs> Igor, yes, I take <laughs> Igor on everything now. It, yeah, it was I, Igor of the six six six, and I had uh, I did a song for Tony Timpone. <laughs> You did a song. Oh my! And yeah. why aren't we playing that on the Battle Line podcast? Oh, it was, what it was the classic. Hell? But um, so De <laughs> Debbie, say that again, Debbie. I'm sorry. It was a classic. I love it. He raps. Yeah, oh my it was, god. It was fun. I I really enjoyed making that. And yeah, no. So it's DebbieRashawn.com at DebbieRashawn on Twitter and at official DebbieRashawn on Instagram. And before we wrap up, I do have to mention one thing. So we got this awesome um, new music from Jimmy Allen that I want to use as the new theme music for the show. And I do want you to still be the voice of uh, Battleline Podcast, but I just wish you yeah. had like a uh, professional sounding microphone. Because I do, I, I love your voice, Debbie, but it's always like yeah. Debbie on the phone. So I don't know if, if you yeah. could, I, I want to use your voice on the new intro. And I don't want anybody, if they hear a new intro, to be like, why is it not Debbie? But uh, I don't know. Are you able, like, this microphone I'm on right now that I'm doing all my voiceover work on is it's like, it's not a lot. It's uh, I could even check right now, but I would want, because this song Jimmy Allen gave us is so fucking awesome. I want to have like a real in studio sounding voiceover. You know what I mean? Okay. Send me a link to that. And if, so if I can't get in like a professional studio over the next, you know, very short time, which is tough. To yeah. Yeah. But I, I am supposed to be doing ADR for The Man in Room 6, a movie that I did, but they're doing the sound design now, so I have to do a bunch of ADR. So if I can't get that done right away, send me a link and I will I will damn well buy that. Yeah, this was not a lot, and I use it for all my voiceover stuff. And I have to tell you, Debbie, you should get on Fiverr if you're not already on. Um, and this is like not an ad for them, but it's F-I-V-E-R-R. -R. So because you have a great voice. I think if you put up like some of the intros you've done over the years and um, I've been getting a ton of gigs and now I just got a gig for this company um, that has like worked with Alec Baldwin and stuff and I'm voicing this survival podcast. So I think it would make sense for you to like have, uh, you know, just a, a good microphone for your yes. setup. Absolutely. Um, You're right. You're right. So, yeah. I mean, I want, cause I, I just want to get a yeah. new Debbie or Sean voiceover. And if you could do it, it, it would be great. Cause there's I want to no keep your voice. No, we're keeping your voice. There's no if. I'll float you alone. Okay. You can pay me back when the book comes out and you'll get the microphone. Just let right it. on. Right on. Yes. Thanks again, Debbie. I really appreciate it. It's, it's, it was fun talking to you and, and finally putting a face with, the actual face that I see on the the trauma the the trauma I would say trauma but if you always correct no it's trauma the the trauma movies because that really that's uh, you'll be shocked at how many 
the get military guys that stuff that especially us older military guys that are getting to our 50s now that's what we grew up yeah. on and that's what we watched when we were young young guys in the military or even even before that i the toxic avenger still is the f- classic and man mm-hmm. it's just cool having you on i really appreciate it thank you thank you both thanks debbie bye-bye bye-bye all right man that was you know, it's funny when I uh, drop her from the call, it says Ian Scotto kicked out Debbie Rashawn from the call. That right, sounds like, very hard. You're harsh. such an asshole. Yeah, it sounds the, harsh. Stop, stop kicking people out of she, the call. She was great, though. I mean, I, you know, I didn't know we would even get that deep. I thought it would be kind of lighter of, of movies she's done and kind of the Lloyd Kaufman. And, and I'm glad she did. I mean, it fits with what we do. And Debbie has gone through a lot. And, and yeah. you know, d- I think when people think actress, they think of the luxurious lifestyle Hollywood actress. Debbie is like a New York street actress and does this because she loves it. She is not a millionaire. She will tell you herself, you know, she, she's a She grinds. She forge. I said, forge ahead. You just keep forging and grinding. And I always tell people when they're going through a hard times, just grind, just keep grinding. And, and that's what it sounds like she does. That's what I get that when we talk to her, that, and that's the people that honestly, though at the end of the day, the grinders are the ones that are, the, the happiest I, I that's what i see i from my opinion granted you know people million i i can't say that gozillionaires are not happy because i'm not one but it, it i can tell you having a little bit of money uh especially during that you know three time three years that i was doing stuff uh heavy hot and heavy you were always gone you're always and you weren't grinding you're were getting manipulated and used and it, it, it was very empty the more money you had the more it is more money more problems seriously and people are like, ah bullshit well that's just my opinion that's from my experience so uh finding that happy medium where you're happy doing what you're doing but you're also making a good living at it to me that's that's but you're all, and then you're also supposed to be able to balance that with family or whatever extracurricular stuff you do that's healthy <laughs> for you that's the people are the happiest and that's that's where i'm at you know and, and so it just it was awesome it's so we heard of those t- stories man it fit fit right in and to me me igor to me it does it <laughs> to me it, if again if anything that we show from veterans you know battle-hardened veterans to rock stars to to actors like debbie every everyone that is successful has gone through something and pushed ahead and, and forced through it and face obstacles and you know to compare these obstacles well you know it's 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 relative to the person that you're you are but we aren't that freaking different we are different at really in this world we aren't different even though we may want to pick sides on our political political issues that's why we don't get i don't think you should because if anything our show shows that hey you know what it doesn't matter what political side you're on if if the fucking murphy and karma are going to get you they're going to get you and you're going to have to figure out how to get over it and does it make a difference if you are a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or whatnot? You got to find a way to get over it and through it and around that obstacle and still be successful or you can quit. And it doesn't make a difference who you vote for. If you quit, you're still going to bad things are going to happen to you and your family or you can continue to move forward and good things are going to happen to you. So I, I, that's why I listen to her and talk to her because full disclosure, like we've talked about before. If you want to get into politics, no, Debbie. Debbie doesn't like Trump. I don't, and I don't give two shits if she does or not. But does it make a difference? Doesn't that makes no difference at all that that to her and her drive to be successful and to also deal with obstacles and failure, just like a person that thinks Trump rocks on water. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's important for people to find it, to hear. Whether you like it or not, politics or not, doesn't make a difference. Failure's failure. And the ability to overcome failure doesn't make a damn bit of difference what political side you're on. So my end state there is I'm off my soapbox there, Igor, brother. Is to say, who gives two shits? That's why I don't even get into politics anymore. I don't give No, I, I get it. I could tell you that, you know, with the whole lockdown here, I was spending way more time on social media than I normally was. And I realized I don't fucking like social media. I'm, yeah, I'm off my personal <laughs> Facebook page. You know, I'm just using the battle line stuff because that's it's the necessary evil. You got to, you know, feed yeah, that beast yeah. And, yeah. and get the word out and have people discover what we're doing, which is positive. But I could tell you, man, like I went for a workout in the park yesterday at, uh, you know, where I normally awesome. go. That is the pull up bar and the, and the uh, push up bars at the ground. But the point is, like, it was actually the first time in a while that I had my phone away for like a good two hours doing a workout. And I was like, I, this is what I enjoy. This is what I thrive doing. And um, actually, this has been overall pretty good for me. I didn't mention in the intro and I mentioned it at the end with Debbie and that like. Uh, through this pandemic, I was on Fiverr regularly getting voiceover gigs, and I I landed this gig for this yeah, new show one. in the wild, yeah. which people can check out. It's on Spotify now. It's called In the Wild. Just the trailer is up. But basically, between the sponsors that keep us going for Battlewine Podcast, and now this, I'm gonna be able to like go back to making a pretty good living. I might not go back to being a personal trainer. Probably won't because I want to just focus on this stuff. And that's really what I want to do. I mean, my goal in life always is to really work for yourself and create things myself yeah. uh, rather than work for a company full time. And, and it is harder. You know, you don't get the healthcare benefits when you work for yourself. You got to figure that out, that all out on your own. But I just know doing a podcast with you, doing this thing for In the Wild, which I love, which is a series on people surviving uh, traumatic experiences, whether they're, you know, caught in the woods for two days in, in a storm yeah. and uh, just all positive karma. You know, I don't like to work for any company where it's like, oh, they're doing something that, that doesn't match my values. That's the type of thing that keeps me up at night. And and I think if you yeah. work 100 percent for yourself and you're doing things that you feel positive about, it's just it, it's it's a tougher road, but it's definitely a better feeling. So, I mean, I really thank God and I uh, thank my, my own drive, you know, and my positivity in myself, which is God given, of course, that. Uh, I'm really making things work during this and, and it's been really cool. I had a vision for this podcast and, uh, it actually changed the more people that we've interviewed because neither you and I, you and I didn't sit down and say like, we're going to yeah. have this connecting theme of this uh, was the thing. Yeah, we did obstacles. Yeah. In fact, we had the exact opposite. We were like, I don't know. Let's just see. There was <laughs> like, let's just see how it goes. The theme will come. I think we did say that we're, we're that was when after that event where I spoke in Atlantic City and you came and we're like, what's it? Eh, I don't know. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> the yeah, theme, I think we even the said we have itself. to have a theme. Like we have to have something that separates us. And and it's actually very different than I was doing what I was doing previously, because we do talk to veterans, but it, we talk more so about the overcoming obstacles than the yeah. technicalities or you know, yeah. the intricacies of everything. And I personally like it. I, and I mean, knowing you as long as I have, I know that that's your main thing is never quit yeah. keeping your oh, yeah. motivation up. And and I think that that's why we talk to the people that we do, you know, having Phil Abonte on for the next episode, if all yeah. goes accordingly, like he's a guy who's overcome different things. Uh, you know, and I know he's a guy, I don't know if we'll get into it, but gone through divorce and then 
the the death of his uh, guitar player has been yeah, very traumatic. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll did you know him? Did you know Ollie? Yeah, I knew. Ollie and actually actually came, became uh, friends after I sh- did the Madness video for him. When I that, and actually I watched that Madness video again, and I'm like, man, that we actually did a damn good job on that music video. That was a oh, good yeah. video. Um, but the um, you did a great job, man. I uh, mean, you I, came I'll off be, as a professional actor. I honestly, I, I just, I was, I was going, that was the time where I was going through some really, my, I was all, dude, I was all fucked up. I was, that was when I was divorced. That was when I was in some bad relationships and, and I did begin pulled a million different ways. You know, I'm sitting there thinking about missing my family again. You know, I, my son, my new, my third boy was, what was he one or two? So I'm thinking to myself, God, here I go again. I, I swore I was going to be able to and spend time with my kids and here I am not even deployed and I'm gone again. I was just awful. So when they, the, the director, and he was the coolest guy in the world, the director guy, I loved him. Fantastic. And, and, uh, he said, just act like you're like, you, do you want to kill yourself? <laughs> so when it, it wasn't that far, I wasn't that far off from it. And, um, and, uh, and honestly, when the little girl came in and I met her, the little girl, you know, it's supposed to be my daughter in the video. I imagined my daughter running in the room and you could see the happiness. I was in my eyes. Well, that's because I was, uh, that's what I pictured. I pictured my daughter because I would have been that happy if I would have been able to see her that day. Cause that was the, at that point in time, you know, Tanya and I were, were pretty estranged. We were pretty estranged. We were estranged. We were divorced, fully divorced. And, and, um, the only thing that kept me happy that I would smile at, it wasn't money. It wasn't the gigs. It wasn't, meeting people and getting wrecked in fact that was just a bird it, it felt awful it was a burden and nothing against people that met me they're as nice in the world it's just my mind state it was when i got the chance to see my kids but when you're divorced you only have certain hours you can see them you know and so that was what was difficult so i was just imagining and that little girl in the video at that age looks similar to my daughter too so and, and yeah so it was it was all and ollie all i think ollie saw and ollie became ollie and i became pretty pretty good friends um, not best buddies or nothing. Just, it was like, on it, it was, but it was like, it wasn't like, Hey dude, it was just like, Hey man, it's good to see. You. I'm, I passed him in the airport when I had to go to Providence to speak in near Providence. And he was him and, uh, oh, the other guitar player, awesome guy too. They were coming through cause they were coming home and he lived up in that area. So they flew into the Providence airport and I remember seeing him and gave a big hug. And actually there's a, there on my old Instagram account, we did a great little picture of us both head smiling, my short haircut, his long ass hair. And we're both got our cheesy ass grins going. And, <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. Then what, a few weeks later he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if Phil will get into it because I know he's commented on it before. So I'm not saying anything that's private. Like, from Phil's perspective, he died under pretty mysterious circumstances. Yeah, and that's that's up to them. You know, if he wants to talk about that, but I'm not. We, we, we as far we're not fucking shock value. Media no, I just stuff, I, you so know I I would like to hear Phil's take because that was truly his brother in that band, and I, yeah. and I know he's uh, very upset about you know he wants answers. You know, well, and I think I think anybody deserves answers if it was nefarious or bad or things happened. And I don't know. I, and I don't know the whole story either. Uh, all I know is that Ollie was awesome. And Ollie and I would talk about, you know, cause he was going through a divorce or was at that time during the video. And he actually, which was a shock to me. Yeah. Cause I, I just met him. He wanted to know how it was, how divorce life was. And we actually talked a lot off the camera about, Cause I at think the, he was at the time where you're at, like, it's awesome at the time. I, no, no, I was honest <laughs> with him. Like, eh, Cause I was, 
it, no, I, I wasn't because it wasn't all like what I, I but I was also because there there was no way me and Tanya were going to be able to be married at that time either. I said, dude, if you're if you can't be faithful in this or if she's not, then no, you don't need to be in it. No, don't. Um, it's hard, though. It's not as all it's all not all sunshine and roses and, and rainbows coming out your butthole. It's not it's not that at all. It, it's um so uh, just know if that's what you want to do, then then do it. And and um, then he also got into the guitar and how he I didn't know this. He actually taught lessons to he would go down to South America and teach lessons of people how to play guitar when he wasn't doing the touring. And I'm like, that's where I'm like, wow, this this dude's a cool dude. He he actually he care he he loves kids. He loves children. He wants to take care of them. And he's teaching them down in I can't remember if he said Peru or or Costa Rica or where he said, but he was going, he goes down there and teaches, teaches kids how to play guitar. I was like, man, that's fucking awesome. And also just bottom line is the dude is, was a tremendous guitar player. And he fit the, he fit the stereotypical guitar player look. But when you talk to him, dude was brilliant. He was intelligent. You just tell by talking to the dude is an extremely intelligent individual. I mean, it, it just, he didn't, he didn't talk like a, like a rock and roll guitar player he just just he talked like a chemistry teacher and uh, <laughs> this is all that's what was so cool about him so uh, yeah man i i remember even that short time that i got to be friends with him and i've known phil a lot longer than i did i have ollie but even that short time i was amazed by by just he wasn't what i thought he was going to be and even he actually just a genuine good heart and whenever you're going to do stuff with kids brother and you you have that heart that you want to help kids play guitar whatever and you're doing it on your own that to me shows a lot of integrity because uh, kids are kids are saints kids are 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 the positive things in this world they're they're untainted and being a role model like he was that's that's just amazing so yeah i i i'd like to you know of course i'd like to know but i don't think we're ever going to know the the truth of what took place and i'll just leave it at that people want to research ollie um, they can, and, and all that remains. And then if Phil wants to talk about it, fine. If not, dude, Phil, Phil's a fucking rocker. Still, Two Weeks is still one of the greatest rock songs ever made. And Phil was also a veteran as well. People don't know yep. Levante. Levante was in the military. He was a Marine. And um, and also, he's a he's a 2A guy. He, he's a gun. But he also is a fitness buff. The dude's, from when he, I mean, he was in good shape, but the dude's fucking jacked. Him and his bass player, uh, I call him Bubbles because that's on his on his. I always thought his Instagram was Bubbles, <laughs> Mr. Bubbles. But those guys are. I think they're power lifters, man. Phil got jacked up. He's he's yoked, dude. Yeah. Dude lifts, and so we can have a good conversation with him. No, we, we 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 will. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of other stuff planned. So June, we're going back to one show a week, guys. So for the month of June, you're going to hear shows every Monday. I will yeah. hopefully be back in studio and we'll get some in studio guys. I know you want to get like Frank Rippy on. We'll try. We'll definitely do it for like June um, or July for sure. We have to. I will. Yeah, I, I got to re and back. I got to reach out to, to Sergeant Major. So Sergeant Major Grippy if, or any of his, uh, anybody that knows Frank, if you, if you're listening, I, <laughs> let him know. I want him on the show. I just haven't reached out to him yet. Yeah, we'll get him. There's just so many people. Cause like I said, I want to get Scott Dwyer on to talk about his brother um, you know, I, there's, and, and then also the people in studio, I would love to get yeah. some more New York people come in studio, but yeah, with that, um, any questions, comments, battle podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want shirts for the show, they are awesome. Tonto dash yeah. apparel 
www.myshopify.com. Um, although this was an ad-free show, thanks to everybody who sponsors shows, whether it's Everyday Grind Coffee or uh, Fort Scott Munitions Fort Scott. or Ned, all of them are great. And, um, you know, we spaced out the ads this uh, month and uh, actually gave us a, a nice boost in plays. Um, a lot of people Thank checking you. out shows and, and people enjoying different shows. Uh, some people said the David Silvera episode was like their favorite yet because they grew up on corn and as you were saying, some people really love the Jimmy Allen episode. So we're doing something right, I think. Yeah, I think. And yeah, and then, of course, everybody loved the Jack Carr episode. Jack and Carr I, was huge. That's going to be that's one of a, our biggest. That was another one where people, it wasn't Jack Carr's seal service. It wasn't the, it was another another guy that came up to me at a course. I think it was the Oklahoma course. And I, No, no, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was the Chicago course. Uh, another, another one, because obviously Jack was after Oklahoma. Um, but they came up to me and, and it was Jack's dealing with his, with his child, with his child that has, you know, has, a, has a, a disability. You don't know what the PC term is. I'm going to say it, but how Jack had to deal with that along with his service and how he's remained a strong family man. To me, it was like, wow, I heard that. And it's like, I'm going, you know, it's like, I feel the same because I have, I have a child. I have a, I have a child that that uh, that has a disability and and hearing that from jack that pushed through it like a man that that meant the world to me that I, that there's this guy that this warrior but he still had issues and obstacles at home that he that he got through and obviously he's still successful i know he didn't really touch on it a ton but i think just no, but it was, it was yeah no I, he touched on it a good amount i thought and and you know what it actually made me Think more of uh, Ross Perot, honestly, when he said how Ross Perot yeah. really made the effort to to get his son the help that he needed, you know, not for publicity. He was not a politician at the time, not to say, look how great I am. I think it's yeah. because it was a fellow service member that uh, he cared about. And, and it is great hearing those human stories because the way the media spins Ross Perot, oh, he's just the guy who ruined the election for Bush. Well, he's a lot more than that. Yeah, yeah. And- and by Jack telling it too, and I, Jack's very well respected within the community, but also he's a very well respected author, of course, and now even more so a very well respected family man, which is important. I think especially more important than anything in today's society is is being a respected family man. When family were, I think we're before the before the hippity bippity virus came out, dude. I think the I think family was looked at as an afterthought. Now people are saying, wait a second, no, family is extremely important. And it's, it, to have a good life, you need a strong family. I think Jack's episode was perfect at the right time. And what he said was perfect as well. And, 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 and Jack, if you're listening out there, it did resonate with at least one person because they came up and mentioned that episode to me. And specifically, that you talking about your son. That, that was awesome.
That's all for this week's Battle Line podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk, so make sure you're subscribed. And keep up with the show 24-7 on Facebook and Instagram at Battleline Podcast. Also on Twitter at Badline Pod. As always, never quit.